Well, for a few uh, uh, days, uh, very recently, I had the time to spend time with my 94-year-old mother uh, in El Paso. Physically, she is uh, kind of okay, I guess, but her mind is an entirely different matter. She sleeps most of the time now, and when she is awake, often the words she puts together don't make much sense, and her memories are largely distorted. She does not have much time left. And I know that many of us have gone through or are going through this with our parents, and it's not easy. I went through this with my dad 18 years ago. And it's not easy because the body of the person is there, but not much else. Not easy because what once was is now gone. Not easy because it's sad. Not easy because what really is life when there are no memories left anyway? When the hours she slept, I spent time looking at old picture albums remembering. I looked through old familiar books remembering. I, looked up, I opened up cabinets and found objects of years gone by remembering. And then I opened up a closet and was delighted to find something that brought back lots of memories. There in the closet were a hundred or so record albums of mine from the late 1960s and 70s. It was a gold mine. <laughs> and it was there that I found actually the cover and the jacket of a band called It's a Beautiful Day. It was there. I had no idea when I asked for this song that I would find it there days later, but there it was. And this 1960s San Francisco-based band one day moved to Seattle, Washington to work on their music. And they ended up living in an attic of an old house across the street from a park. And it was rainy and dreary, and the conditions in the attic were lousy, and they had very little money. And members of the band felt very confined and trapped and unhappy in this awful setting. And it is in that attic, it is in that setting that they wrote the song White Bird that Ellen so beautifully sang. Here's some of the lyrics. White bird in a golden cage on a winter's day in the rain. White bird in a golden cage alone, but the bird just sits in her cage unknown. White bird must fly or she will die. White bird dreams of aspen trees with their dying leaves turning gold, but the white bird just sits in her cage growing old. White bird must fly or she will die. These lyrics are very powerful. They were to me so many years ago when I first heard them. And they're powerful because I believe they capture the essence of what it means to be trapped in a cage, to be confined, to be held back in some way in life, to simply sitting in place, doing nothing but growing old. And as I think about these lyrics, of course I picture my mom lying in bed knowing that the cage of her diminished mind is not one from which she will be able to fly, and so she will die. But as I thought about the reality of my mom's life, I actually began to think about some of the cages in life that I have been trapped in. Cages, if I'm honest with myself, I could have flown out of had I turned to God and asked for help to be freed. And is it not true, at least for many of us here today, that we at times find ourselves feeling catched caged or trapped or at least confined by circumstances or emotions. 
And have there not been passages in all of our lives in which we wanted just to be free of something or someone, free from a bad relationship, free from an addiction, free from an illness, free from depression, free from anxiety, free from problems with children, free from challenges with siblings, free from heartache, free from simply not knowing what on earth to do? Have we not all, all of us at some point in life wanted to just be freed from something? Now, the topic of freedom is so important because it is central to the message and the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because unlike what some people will say, unlike what some religious leaders will say to you, God did not create any of us to live in a cage. God did not create any of us to be confined. God did not create any of us to be trapped, but to be free, to be free from what's holding us back, to be free from the consequences of death, to be free from fear, to be free so that we can live with joy and purpose and live into who God created us to be at whatever phase or stage of life we're in. Every one of us today, all of us here, all people are handmade by God. You are handmade by God. You've been given extraordinary gifts by God. And you are called by God as I am to live with zest and passion and freedom, not confinement. And at the heart of Jesus' message to us is freedom. And it's why, in part, he got so infuriated with religious leaders who taught that faith, that life, that conduct, that our walk with God has everything to do but with freedom. And in the over two decades I have been in this vocation, few things have made me as sad, as mad, really as sad, really as mad as religious leaders who preach a gospel message that attempts to put people into cages. Messages that confine and limit and restrain who we are. Messages which suggest that life and our walk with Jesus is all about measuring up to some standard. That there are people that are in and there are people that are out. Messages that our Christian walk at its core is about just do right. Think right, look right, act right, be right, live right. And these messages were the messages that infuriated Jesus from the religious leaders. And these messages, along with other condemnatory, chastising, diminishing, diminishing exclusionary ones like them, are precisely the kinds of messages that turned Jesus' face red 2,000 years ago. Now in our gospel reading that he in red, Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and within the crowd are disciples, along with those who are simply curious or wondering who this Jesus guy is. And in paraphrase form, Jesus says, the religious leaders and teachers know a lot about all the laws of the Bible, the do's and the don'ts. So go ahead and pay attention to what they say. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. All they do is lay a bunch of burdens on you and make life harder. Their religious life is about show and popularity. They like to be seen. They like respect. They like control. And they've forgotten about humility. 
And it's here in the midst of all of this dialogue that Jesus uses a very interesting word. The word is burden. Burden. We need to pay attention to this word, burden. In the original language of the text, the word burden here means to tie up heavy loads, hard to bear. A heavy load, hard to bear. I believe that what Jesus was getting at in part in this section of Matthew's gospel is that if our day in and day out living, if our walk with God, if our relationship with Jesus has become a heavy load, hard to bear, we probably are in need of a wholesale change in the way we are looking at God, our faith, and our lives. God did not create us to live a life characterized by a heavy load, hard to bear. God does not want our relationship with God to be one that is hard to bear. God made us precisely to live lives that are about everything that is the opposite of a hard load, hard to bear. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't say, come to me, everybody, and I'm going to lay burdens all over your life. And listen to these tidbits about freedom from the Old Testament and the news and the New Testament. The Lord answered me and set me free. We are called to freedom. The truth will set you free. You have been set free in Christ Jesus. So what is this freedom that Jesus and Scripture talk about? Is it just free will? Is that what he's getting at? Is it is Jesus talking about the freedom to do anything we want to do regardless of the impact or the consequences? Is that what he's talking about? Is he talking about doing whatever, whenever, with, or to whomever? Is that what he's talking about? Well, the short answer is no, not really. That said, we do have free will. We can choose. God has given us the freedom to use our free will in any way that we want to, despite consequence. God has given us the freedom to use free will for selfless good. And yes, free will has been and can be used and continues to be used for great destruction and evil and harm. But the kind of freedom Jesus gets at is more than just simply free will. What he's getting at, I believe, is that if we use our free will in ways that are not in alignment with who God is, which is love, then we're going to end up broken and not free as a result of our choices. However, the opposite is also true. Something Augustine understood a long time ago. One person writes about Augustine's writing. Augustine taught that true freedom is not about simple choice or lack of constraint or doing whatever it is we want to, but true freedom rather comes from being who we are meant to be. We are created in the image of God. Therefore, true freedom is found not in moving away from God, but in moving toward God. And the closer we conform to the image of God, the more we become like Jesus, the more we move into a life of love, the freer we become. Said another way, freedom happens, I believe, when you and I realize who God is and who we are in relationship to God. 
Freedom happens when we give up trying to be perfect, when we know that only God is perfect, thank God, when we accept our imperfections and we trust that God loves us anyway. Freedom happens when we know that we are extraordinarily fallible and that we need forgiveness day in and day out. We understand that we need forgiveness and therefore we can be forgiving towards others because after all, everybody else is fallible too. Freedom happens when we stop trying to go at life alone and instead learn to depend upon Christ completely. Freedom happens when we know that power doesn't come from within ourselves or for some worldly force, but real power comes from God. Freedom means that we pay attention to Jesus, that we allow ourselves to be like Jesus, that we allow ourselves to be different from the egocentric messages of culture. Freedom means that we move to a place where we embrace kindness and building other people up and not tearing them down and not engaging in criticism and being forgiven and loving and honest and full of integrity. When we do those things, when we move closer to Jesus, we discover true freedom. As an aside, as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking about people who are not free, but not, not free in the way that you might think. There are a lot of people in our world, and sometimes I am this way, so I'm not excluding myself from this, but there are a lot of people around us that sometimes are just mean or cruel. Sometimes people are jerks. I've been a jerk. I have. I've been a terrible jerk sometimes. And I realize that being a jerk or being mean or being cruel is a sign of pain. And when people act poorly, it doesn't leave them feeling very good, whatever they might say. And as I thought about it, when people are caustic or cruel or mean, it's a clear symptom to me and to myself that they have lost touch of who they are, that they are God's beloved, that they're loved by God, and that in fact they're not living freely, they're living in a cage of despair. Because if they were free and they knew it, they wouldn't be acting that way. And when we realize this about people who are acting very poorly, we are free to respond to them as God does. We're made in the image of God so we feel best, most free, most at home when our lives mirror the love of Christ. Well, anyway, freedom means we live knowing and believing and trusting that God is acting upon and affecting whatever circumstances we find ourselves within. I don't have to manage this. God can, so I'm free. Freedom means letting go of fear of living because the presence of God and power and love of God is within us. I don't have to control this situation. God does, so I'm free to be me. Freedom means that we understand because of Jesus that a new life begins when this one ends so we can live freely without the fear of death. I don't need to be afraid of dying today. And perhaps most importantly of all, freedom comes into our lives when we accept that we have absolutely nothing to earn when it comes to God. This is what made Jesus so mad. There's grace. And you and I can do nothing to earn and nothing to lose God's love and forgiveness. So we might as well just get over ourselves and stop trying to be so perfect. Freedom comes when we stop trying to be a certain way and instead start living a certain way in response to who God is. Freedom happens when we stop trying so hard to live a certain way and instead we start living a certain way in response to who God is. Let me put all of this of what I'm saying today in another way. 
there's a big difference between having to do something and getting to do something. Having to do something can be a drag, let alone a burden or an obligation. Especially if somebody in an outfit like this talks about having to do something. The idea of having to do something is an approach to faith, is an approach to our walk with Jesus that is absolutely the antithesis of the gospel message of Christ. Getting to do something, however, is something entirely different and the definition of freedom. You see, our walk with Jesus is not at all about having to do anything. It's about getting to. It's not about, it's about, it's, it is about getting to live a certain way, not having to live a certain way. And when we understand this, because God's got it all covered, when we understand this, how we live and move and have our being, how we approach each day, how we live as people of faith radically shifts. We get to be loving. You don't have to be loving for God to love you, but we get to be loving. We get to be kind. We get to be understanding. We get to be grateful. We get to forgive people. We get to be supportive. We get to be generous. We get to be encouraging and helpful and selfless. We get the chance to stand by people who are hurting. We get to let go of our egos. We get to let go of searching for security in a material world. We get to let go of what we don't have control over. We get to give ourselves some slack, and other people too. We get to be non-judgmental. We get to worship. Imagine that, we get to worship. We get to sing, white bird in a golden cage. We get to serve. We get to give God our lives. And we get to do these things precisely because we don't have to when it comes to God loving us. And never let anybody tell you otherwise. We get to do these things because we don't have to when it comes to God loving us. So therefore, we're free to do it. And the more and more we let go of a have-to life, and instead shift to a life of get to in response to the grace of God, that is when we discover true freedom. I know as we gather here this morning, we're in a variety of places in our lives and in our journeys of faith. Meaning we have a lot to learn from each other. And through all of this, however, I pray and hope that you and I will remember that our walk with Jesus in this life is not about being confined. It's not about being restrained or put in a cage. Christianity in our journey with Jesus is not a cage. Rather, precisely, it is the door to the cage that lets us out of the cage. Jesus came to set you and me free, free to love, free to forgive, free to receive forgiveness, free to receive the healing of God, free to let go, free to release, free to serve, free to be like Christ, free to be our own unique God-created selves, whatever that looks like, free to live without fear, free to die without fear, free to get to do all the things we get to. We are made to be free. Examine your lives where you're not feeling free is not where God wants you to remain. Now, earlier I mentioned my mom. She is dying. And her mind, which is largely gone, has become a cage. 
But I know, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's a cage from which she will soon be released. Thanks be to God. Of course, I am hurting and I'm sad over where she is. And I know it's not an easy topic for any of you here today. But aside from my mom, this whole topic of dying, I know, is hard anyway. It can be incredibly sad and hard and unsettling and sometimes tragic and fear-inducing. Death can do that to us. But through it all, remember, in the face of death, Jesus came to set us free. To set us free from the cage of death. Amazing. And because Jesus came to set us free from the cage of death, Jesus came to set us free from the cages of this life. Live it. One day you and I will take our last breath as it's meant to be for all of us who have been given the gift of life. And God will free all of us from the cage of death. Thanks be to God. But in the meantime, over the hours and days ahead, think about any cage you might be in and turn to Jesus and ask him to set you free from that cage knowing that he wants you to fly. He wants you and me and all of us to be free. It's good news. It's very good news. And let us pray.